working now. There we go. I'm never completely certain. I'm like, is it the monitors or is it me? Okay, so Happy New Year, and I am thankful to be with you all. I would like to turn, I'm going to spend some time today in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, and uh, you know, I'll open up with a verse and then we'll, we'll dive into it. But Philippians chapter 3, we'll look at verse 13. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, I ask you to talk to us today. God, as we chew on your word, Lord, let your intended word go forth, change our lives, and do what, God, you, you wanted us to do today. In Jesus' name, may we grow in you. Amen. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I think on a, I can't remember if it was Wednesday night or Sunday morning, uh, we came out of the book of Philippians, um, and we looked heavily at Philippians chapter 2. And I think I'll probably recap a few things that, that we talked about there. Um, so if you were with me when we, we talked about uh, serving others, I think that was on a Wednesday night. Uh, you'll hear some things that are familiar, but I think it helps create a picture. So today I want to talk to you about ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. And this title comes from, uh, I was thinking about hide and seek. And in the passage we read here, we talk about uh, pressing, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I see here, uh, Paul, he's using the whole gamemanship or the racing um, analogy. He would use boxing and, and things that people would relate to, but sports. And we're not playing a game of hide and seek today, but I do see that uh, maybe you can remember when you were in, um, in school and you'd have PE and, and sometimes you would have the, uh, the games across the gymnasium and um, and you'd play dodgeball, or you would be Red Rover, Red Rover, send somebody over. And, and, but you were always wanting to win, and you would see whatever that destination was, and you wanted to get there. Uh, when it was hide and seek, you know, the rest of it, I wanted to be a hider. And I, I wanted to play at night in the dark and wear all my black clothes and lay down in the ditches. But the person that was, was seeking was like, all ears are listening, and, and if you knew the lay of the land, you were like, I think this person would hide there, and that person would hide there, and, and I'm coming after you because I'm going to win this game. I'm going to win. And so ready or not, here I come. And I would like to get that, that attitude of here I come in our mind here as we open up 2023. But the book of Philippians... Um, I have some verses that I'm going to hit that I didn't necessarily pass back there to the sound booth. Uh, but as I was looking over this book, um, as I reminded you a couple weeks ago, Paul was most likely, and I think based off of what I read, was in Ephesus in prison. Others will tell you Rome, but uh, based off some of the, the writings and things, it appears like it's a very strong case for him actually being in an Ephesian prison uh, and he's riding over to the Philippians. And um, the Philippians, see, when you were in prison back in those days, 
They didn't have a, a nice uh, TV up in the corner with a nice cot for you to sleep on or a nice bed. They didn't have uh, um, nice hot meals that rolled through. In fact, they, the prison didn't even prepare you meals at all. Uh, those, your food came because somebody outside the prison took care of you. It had been dank, it had been dark. I don't think they spent a bunch of money on nice lighting. Uh, there wasn't a good HVAC system to keep it cool or to keep it warm. Uh, it, it isn't anything like you would imagine today. And when Paul was writing these letters, he would have been um, perhaps by a doorway or over there where there's some lighting. And by the way, paper and manuscript paper and, and pens, you, you, those were hard to get. You couldn't just run over to, to Walmart and buy a pack of these or go back to Donnie's sound booth and get some. Um, and uh, uh, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't just grab those up. It wasn't uh, you could just run over and, oh, I need another notebook. And oh, they're on sale today. That's a dollar. No, it was very expensive. And so when you uh, look at a, a book here and you see the length of it and then you see like um, some of the books are twice as long as others, that, that was, when that, that letter was written, that was a price that was paid. Somebody gathered up those materials. And so when Paul is writing and, and, and he's, he needs some paper and some pens and somebody gets that for him and they bring that in and they get, I don't know what, what he wrote with, but they bring it in. And then he's sitting there and he's, he's sitting maybe by a window trying to capture some light or near the door or perhaps somebody's on the outside of the door and he's telling them, write this and write that and, and put this down and, and hear, uh, hear what I'm saying. Um, it was with great intention. And I think that's worth listening to. That's worth reading. Not only that, but this is holy scripture. So these individuals were moved on by God. And when Paul would write to the Philippians, he was being moved on by God. And was saying, hey, I got to get this message over to you. God had put him there and in charge. And So if you can think of the condition he's in, the roughness, the misery that he was, was setting in. And then you flip down through the pages and I've... I've Highlighted some of my blue pen. But uh, um, chapter 1, verse 4, I see always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. I see Paul writing from an excited standpoint. Um, when you go down through this chapter, you see him say, Hey, uh, um, I, I don't know how this is all going to work out. <laughs> I might not live. But I get to be with Christ, although I think I'm going to still be able to come visit you again. And I, I would like to be with Christ, but, but I'm here to encourage you. And you see this, this uh, uh, forefather in the faith, somebody we can reach back to, um, in a miserable condition, excited about helping, well, in this case, the Philippians, but this book is for us, it's scripture, helping you. Reaching out to, to help you. And, 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 and he's saying, I rejoice, or, or making request with joy. Um, verse 21, I did have that highlighted aside here. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. So he, again, that word rejoicing. Chapter 3, we'll come back to this later as well, but it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, he says, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again I say, rejoice. Verse 10 of chapter 4, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last of your care of me hath flourished. Rejoice. How is it that you can, this whole idea of rejoicing and, and happiness and Man, we got this, and we're going someplace. It's a mindset condition. You know, you can be imprisoned in the physical, but be free right up here. Be, well, we don't want to do that. Be free right, right in here. And I say right in here and right up here. We a lot of times split the mind and the heart. But biblically, when you were looking, especially in Jewish culture, when they talk about the mind, the thinking, and the heart, and, and sometimes it says the kidneys, it means the inward man, uh, um, it's all one, and I, I, I like that because your logical thinking and your feeling, being an engineer, we like to separate that, and we say, no, you got to think about this. Don't go with your feelings, but yet it all goes together in decision-making. Uh, just ask anybody who got married. <laughs> they didn't just think that would be a good marriage. At least I hope it wasn't just that. Uh, uh, they were like, you know what, I love her. She's, that, that's how it was for me. Still is, still is. And to Happy New Year. Um, and to, but you're excited. And, you, and, and when you make decisions, when you go to the store, how many of you go into the gas station and say, you know, I think a Snicker bar would be really good for me. And then you're like, I feel like eating a Snicker bar. I'm really hungry. Uh, that ice cream, I think that's bad for me, but boy, that'll taste good. And so you buy that. And why your thinking and your feeling go together. And then, Jeremy, you change your thinking a little bit. And you say, well, yeah, it's probably not the best for me, but it'll give me high energy. And I feel hungry. And, and you, you put it all together, thinking and, and feeling. And so your, your inward man, your, your, your thoughts and your feeling, you can be captive on the outside. You can be captive by circumstance. You didn't choose who your parents would be. You didn't choose what your home life would be. Um, um, you maybe have, are going through some rough situations right now that came about because of decisions made a long time ago or decisions that were completely beyond your control. Uh, I remember in college, I'm driving to college to take my test and, and somebody runs a stop sign and T-bones me. And I'm, I wasn't choosing to be on the side of the road that day. I had no idea that they were going to be there. Um, so that circumstance threw me into a whirl. I'm like, hey, how am I going to take care of all these things? And how am I going to drive? And how am I going to handle all this stuff? And, and I've got tests to take. And um, I didn't choose all my circumstances. But I didn't have to be trapped by them. And you say, well, how can that possibly be? Well, we see Paul here. He gets an understanding that even in prison about rejoice, rejoice. And so um, when we talked a few weeks ago about service, we highlighted chapter 2. And, and he's talking about Jesus Christ here. And, and there's a poem here. And he says, let this mind be in you. I'm looking at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven 
and things in earth and things under the earth. And, ev- and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Oh, this, this poem right here. What do we see happen? We see God setting it up there in all of His splendor and glory. He has got all the heavenly counsel with Him. He's got angelic beings. He, he's got uh, um, seraphims and cherubims. And, and He has all this angelicness around Him. Everything He's created. He's completely in charge. And yet God says humanity is lost and dying in sin. In fact, before you even had ever been created, before you had ever been born, God said, I'm going to give them a choice. and Because that is the only way, if I give them a choice, that they can then have a relationship of true love with me. Because how can you love God if it's not by choice, right? And, and so they can choose to love me. But by giving you that opportunity to choose to serve God, it automatically makes it that you can choose to not serve God. And when you do the opposite of God, that's sin. And God is life. And so when you go a different direction from God, you're going to death. It's not that God wanted you to die. It's not that he was like, I'm going to make a way so they can sin. He didn't want you to sin. But he knew that if he gave you that opportunity to have free will to serve him, inherently there would be the opportunity to die. And so before he made any of these things, he said, but you know what? I am going to rescue humanity. But the only way humanity could be rescued is it would take a man. A man that didn't have sin. A man who didn't have the, wasn't born into sin. Whose, whose ancestors, who, whose father wasn't Adam. And so God said, I will become man. Oh, to understand that God in all his splendor made the choice to say, I am going to descend from what you think would be, why would anybody come down from a great throne? And I am going to descend and I am going to come down and I am going to put on humanity. I'm going to go ahead and let myself be bound up and to suffer. That's why it says, um, uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Almighty God and His humanity as our Messiah, as our Christ. He could have said, hey, that is my right to be there. And the devil of hell is like, oh no, you're suffering, you're this way. He's like, I have chosen to be in this place, in this condition. Jesus Christ was not bound up. And and, and, and how do I say that? If you want to think of Him being, quote, imprisoned in humanity... He, he didn't see himself as, oh, I, I, I'm not free to be who I am. Instead, he said, I have chosen to be amongst mankind. I have chosen to suffer with you. I have chosen to take your sin on me. That's what God did. He chose to go through what you're in. He wasn't put there by somebody else. But he made a decision to come and dwell among you. To dwell among us. And to take our humanity. Why? So he could take our sin. 
We talked about this passage when we talked about service to others and the mindset of Jesus Christ. But, but here we have God bringing to us this idea of humility, of humbleness. And in the culture that the Philippians were in, it was a culture of honor and glory and, and fighting and winning the championship. And when you talked about pressing towards the mark or the race and, and, and I'm going to be first and, and, and you could march along and if you were the Caesar and you had all this pomp and circumstance around you and you were in charge. Not the opposite of what Jesus taught about washing feet and and we talked about that this last Wednesday of, of coming down and, and he said, hey, you know, if I who, who am in your master would serve, you know, you need to do this too. It's quite the opposite. So putting on humility would have been a disgrace. It was a mindset to, that would have been hard to grasp by people. And yet God put on humility. Isn't that exciting? That, that God didn't seem to think it was a problem. What, what are you doing, God? What? what you're going to put on humanity? That can't possibly be. It didn't compute. No, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. You, you're going to go eat with those people? Forget what the Jewish people thought, leaders thought at the time when he would eat with sinners. Think about all the, the rest of the glorious, uh, uh, um, anybody who would look at his glory and splendor. What, they didn't even realize that he was God. And they were like, you would eat amongst sinners? God said, oh, I want to go eat with sinners. Oh, it's exciting. And so if you think of when God went through all of that, and God was willing to come down, and, and not just did He put on humanity, but literally that the flesh of God, Jesus Christ was subject to every temptation, every struggle, every stripe, every beating. He felt the pain. He felt rejection. He felt depression. It was all there. He, it wasn't like he was like, oh, I got a pass on this, Sister Nancy. He didn't get a pass on any of it. He was tempted in all areas like as you are. Went through it. And so now Paul, seeing all this, is setting in prison himself. And because of Jesus Christ, he can sit there and say, oh, yes, I'm in prison. Oh, but I'm free indeed. Hallelujah, I can rejoice. And he's over there praying. And he's telling, and he's writing, and he's saying, Hey, you know, just because, you know what, my prison is done? Everybody in the, the military knows that I'm here and why I'm here. I preach Jesus Christ. And, and the whole plantorium knows. All the, all the soldiers know. They, they know that I'm here. Oh, hallelujah. And you know what that allows you to do? Oh, that allows you, Sal, it allows you to have a witness. It allows you to be encouraged. Oh, I want you to be encouraged by my struggle. I want you to be encouraged by my imprisonment. Why Christ is being spread. People are hearing about it. And he's turning the dime on it. And he's telling them to rejoice. And so, we come over to chapter 3 here. And Paul... He's been constantly aware of people that would come in, and he calls them the circumcision. It was people who relied on their birth, Jewish birthing and their upbringing under the law. Paul understood that very well. And he highlights that. And he says, hey, if anybody has any pedigree here, 
He says, look at me. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I'm an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. Well, who was the first king of Israel? Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. And what was uh, um, Paul's Jewish name? Saul. In Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. I've got pedigree. He grew up under the feet of Gamaliel. Concerning zeal, he can flip the dime on this. He persecuted the church. I was a great Jew. I knew the law. I had pedigree. And I find it a little interesting that he highlights some of these things as pedigree because we stand here today and we think, well, man, we're like Ananias. We're like, he persecuted and threw people in prison. He was consenting unto Stephen's death. Look, look what he did. And yet he's like, you know what? I was something special. But all those things that maybe somebody would look at as medals on my chest or accolades or, or, or any of those things, he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as dung, that I may win Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that is, which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This is where he's at. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul says, hey, look at my pedigree. But I just want to dwell a little bit on that. Because Paul in this argument or this discussion was highlighting, hey, I don't want you to get caught up with these people who are, are trying to subvert this book. They're trying to tell you there's some requirements that you need to meet to get your sins forgiven. You say, what do you mean by that, Lucas? I thought I needed to repent and be baptized. And yes, you do. You need to repent. But there is no animal out there that you can bring to sacrifice that's going to take care of your sin. There's... You can't paint enough walls in this church to take care of your sin. You can't go serve in a temple someplace to take care of your sin. In fact, you, you and yourself, can't take enough baths to take care of your sin. That's where faith comes in. Because when you said, Jesus, I want you, and he says, oh, you really want me? Do you want to walk the path with me? You know where that path goes? He said, yeah, I want to walk the path with you, Jesus. All right, let's begin to walk together. And so Sister Karen, he wanted to walk that path. And you said, I want to walk with you, Jesus. And that path of walking with Jesus led you, just like others, to say, what must I do? And what did Peter say? He said, repent. And so you walked a path where you repented. And you got down. And you found that Jesus was right here. And you're like, I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. And you trusted by faith that when you told him I'm sorry and that you wanted to be forgiven, that he forgave you like that. Oh, well, there's other people you go to. You just hope and pray they'll forgive you. But you, God, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. And he forgave them just like that. But what else did Peter say to do? He said, oh, and you need to, you said, what must I do? And where'd that path take you? And be baptized. It's all together. And so your I'm sorry's lead you to go in the water. And it's not just a bath. It's in the name of Jesus. And by faith you understood that in that moment you were, 
you can't see it with your eyes, but you could feel it inside. Oh, a relief as you were clothed in Jesus Christ. Oh, as he washed all those things away, they fell off of you. And Peter said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus just flooded inside your soul, and you felt that joy. And he didn't just leave you to feel good, but he's like, hey, you know what's going to happen? You will speak in another language just like everybody else did. And by the world standards, that sounds crazy. But you said, okay, God, I trust you enough. I love you that when I told you I'm sorry you forgave me, when I went in the water and your name was called out, my sins were also washed away. And God, I know that you're going to fill me just like you did Paul and just like you did Peter, and you begin to worship him. And that's what he, and not only that, but then you trusted him that he would never leave you nor forsake you, and that as long as you, you walked with him and you said, God, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? As long as you did that, you understood that God was going to take you away someday. That's the faith that Paul is talking about. But others would come along and they'd say, oh, you've got to follow uh, uh, th- this, this process back here, or this sacrifice, or this ritual. And he's like, no, that's not it. You want to talk about pedigree, I have it. I've got it in spades. You know, Paul, he also could have highlighted some other things. He was talking about pedigree there, but he could have also gotten in with somebody that would have said, what business do we have being in church here? What business do we have living for God? Do you know what my sins are? Paul should have said, well, you know what my sins are? You know where I've gone? Would you want to know where I've gone? Or he could have flipped it even there. And you could have said, why do I want to live for God? He's let me suffer this, and he let me suffer that. And Paul could have said, well, you know what? I'm writing to the Philippians here. I was in a Philippian jail. Why? Because I cast the devil out of a lady. What? And I got thrown in jail, and I got beaten. That's where he sang praises at midnight. He could, say, he could write at some point in time and say, well, you want to see what God let me go through? Uh-uh. He, he let me, all those years, I didn't really know who Jesus was, or, or I was left for dead, I was stoned, and, 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 and all these stripes, and, and look, look at all the people that forsook me, and look at the churches that turned on me. He could have said that. He could have had an argument that said, uh, um, why would I live for God? Look at my suffering. Or why would I live for God? Look at how bad a person I was. I think this is fitting as we open up 2023. You can look back over 2022, or if you're like me, I was born in 1980, so I guess that'll put on 42 years. I could look back, and uh, by the way, one of my daughters named me 44 the other day. So she's like, in 2023, you're going to be 44. And I didn't quite pick up on it, but Alicia did. So she was very certain to let her know that we will not be 44 in 2023. Um, and uh, I was still trying to do math. Um, <laughs> um, that's why I was born in 1980, because in 1990 I was 10, 2000 I was 20, just knock off a zero. Uh, all right, move on. <laughs> um, yeah. So Paul, he could have looked back, but he tells him, he says, Let me get over here to to where I was at. Brethren, 
I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul did not have the mindset that he was already home. And for those of you that have had the thought that once saved, always saved, and the teaching out there, Paul would like to debate this with you today. He could share his pedigree of, hey, you know what? Um, if you truly love God, and I'm putting all this in quotes, if I truly love God and I was up front and honest right at the get-go, uh, then I'm, I am, I'm saved forever. And if you find that I don't go to heaven, well, then I must have not have truly repented. And people would like to teach this. But that's not what Paul taught. He said, hey, though me or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, or, or, or if, if I had gone all this way and then you fall away, you know, and, and he reflected on people who had fallen away. And so he says that he did not count myself to apprehend, have apprehended. I haven't got this yet. No matter what great visions God had shown Paul, all the places he had been into the third heaven and, and all those things, he, he says uh, he, he would not count himself as having achieved anything. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of you maybe got new clothes for Christmas. Or maybe I need to call all the kids in and ask them if they got new clothes for Christmas. Um, I could have brought an old shoe that should be thrown in the trash. I, I was uh, in Puerto Rico and I had some shoes that, well, I decided they needed to go through the dryer. You can figure out from there. Um, so I put them through the wash machine and then through the dryer and the whole shoe came apart. That was a mistake. But those shoes had been through a lot. And I looked at them and I thought, you know, these shoes, I, we've gone through a lot together. They were, they were outdoor uh, uh, Tevas or something, or they're not, they were like that shoe, a different brand. But I took them and I was like, looked at the trash can and I'm like, and I chucked them. Now for me, I, I looked at it and I thought, well, is all those worth saving? I'm like, no, no, they're just a shoe. They're just a shoe. And I immediately pressed on. But that shoe in itself or any new clothes that you got, why did you get a new clo clothes or why did you get a new coat? Because that old coat doesn't work anymore. Them old, those old shoes that felt so comfortable when you first got them, they're worn down and they don't work anymore. The heels are lopsided, the inside's worn out, and they have to go. And, and so when you take them and you chuck them to the trash, what are you saying? The experiences I had there, good or bad, are over. They're behind me. I'm putting them behind me. They're going into the trash can. I maybe went through a rough time in that coat. Or, or I went through, that was a time where we went through some pretty depressing states. And, and I felt like giving up on life. Or, or man, I, I got an award in that suit coat. That was a pretty special day. But Paul is saying, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm putting it in the trash. Why? Christ Jesus could go ahead and give up glory. And come down to earth. And not consider that he needed all of that. Because he could take on humanity. And he could take his three and a half years of walking and teaching and preaching. Or the first 33 years of his life in, in, as humanity. And he could put all that behind them and go to a cross. And so you know what I can do? I can take all my awards. And I can take all my struggles. And I can take all my depressions. And I can take all my sufferings and rejections and, and everything. And I can put it behind me. 
forgetting those things which are behind, I press. I don't know what kind of bill you had come this last year. I don't know what condition it left you in. I don't know what thing you currently feel imprisoned by right now. But if you can begin to go ahead and say, but I press. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Give him a hand clap. Oh, if I can go ahead and, and say, you know what? That's behind me right there. Oh, you may think I'm physically in prison. And all you voices in my head may tell me why, why I have nothing to be excited about. But I can say, look what Christ did. Look at the hope of glory that I have. Look who's never left me nor forsaken me. Look who said he would be with me always. Oh, I rejoice in him. Oh, something might like to come along and say, well, what about this suffering or that suffering or, or how many years you've gone through this? You say, no matter what, God of glory put on humanity and he didn't need to do that. Oh, there was no reason he needed to, but he wanted to. And he, he saved me. And I don't have to spend eternity suffering from sin. And so any sufferings I have right now are just for a moment. Mm. Hear me, guys. When you come to church and you work with people, God is one spirit. But we're a bunch of separate people. And so there's a struggle. Because our flesh pulls us apart. And the Spirit pulls us together. And as a result, you're going to run into stinkiness in this place. And you're going to run into struggle. But you know what that's going to allow you to do? Have the fruit of patience, of long-suffering. So I want to tell you today, don't walk out on church just because it gets a little stinky in here. Oh, you're going to heaven, and I'm going to heaven. So don't give up. Instead, change your view and look upwards and see Jesus. See Him. See Him. Oh, if we flipped over to Hebrews chapter 12, that follows right on the backside of Hebrews chapter 11 where we call that the heroes of faith. And we run through all those people in the Old Testament who had gone through sufferings and strifes. And, 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 and then there was those that by faith had, had lived for God and everything happened. And then those who were stoned, who were sawn asunder, who were tempted, who were slain with the sword. Um, and all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They don't got what you've got. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And then he writes, he says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight. So Paul talked about pedigree, but the writer of Hebrews talks about weights. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Paul talked about a mark. The writer of Hebrews says, which does so easily, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Mm. Oh, Brother Keith, he didn't say, let me ride up beside Brother Keith and let's see if I can beat him. No, he just said, let us run. You and me, let us run. Brother Terry, let us run the race because we've got a mark. And this isn't about whether you can run better than me, but I'm going towards the mark. I know a guy who ran a 100-mile race. You know how he ran the race? 
I was like, that's not running. Then he'd do this for a little while. And then he's, I need to rest for a second. And then he'd walk. And then he'd run. And somebody would come along with him at mile 50. And they would run with him. And he ran all night. And somebody else would come along and they'd be beside him. And it was walking and running. And so what do they say? I'm like, you walked that race, right? I ran a race. I ran a 100-mile race. Why? And it didn't matter who finished first or 20th or 100th. It was about when you step back. I'm sorry. If you ran a 100-mile race, that kudos to you. <laughs> all right? I didn't ask. We, we sometimes ask, what place did you come in? But it doesn't matter. There's something that says, I crossed the line. I made this race. I'm in this for the long haul. And so, Brother Terry, Brother Keith, let us run the race. Let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As we're going to bring this to a close... I could go on for a long time, and there's points that I don't hardly highlight or bring out too heavily. But there's just two points, Hebrews chapter 4, because I see this all flows together. Paul's writing, he's encouraging them. You've seen his struggle. You see the rejoice. Chapter 4, verse 4, it said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Let your mind be free. You know, you can talk pretty depressing. You can rip yourself down. You can get all negative. But then he says, be careful for nothing. <laughs> be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through the God of glory who came down and put on humanity through Christ Jesus. You have got salvation and hope that carries you through everything. Christ Jesus. And so when you have him on, you're not trapped here. You don't have to be. But you go to prayer. He says, be careful. for He's giving you some keys. He says, rejoice always. Pray about it. Say, God, what am I going to do here? I've got, I'm going through some things right now. I'm like, Lord, I need your help right now. And if the kids walked by me at the same right moment, they'd hear me say, whew. Lord Jesus, I need your help right now. It's crunch time. I got a lot piling on me here. And, and, and yet, I have a confidence in all things. It doesn't just have to be some great struggle in your life where, where you don't know how to pay the bills or, or somebody turned against you. Bring all things, all requests, all aches and pains, all struggles, all depressions. And then he tells us, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And I'm going to read this one from the New Living Translation. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Can we stand to our feet? In 2023, it is a fresh day one for you. Literally today is day one of 2023. And you're still here. You're still here. And God is still here. And his salvation is as powerful as it ever was.
And it's not just salvation that washed you of your sins. It keeps you every day. Every day. So forget your awards and forget your depressions and forget your struggles, even if you're in them. I know when I say forget, like, oh, I didn't, I still have, but don't be bound by it. But let's just take a moment, and I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to joy in Jesus. And I want you to talk to him every day about your struggles and bring all your things to him. And I want you to change your thinking and look at admirably about him. Lord Jesus, we rejoice in you. We worship you. We glory in you. Oh God, we're focusing on, we're choosing to focus on the pure things, the admirable things, the right things. Oh God, we're choosing to focus on things that have virtue and praise and, and no better thing to look at than God who put on humanity and robed himself in flesh and conquered death, hell, and the grave. And locked up, oh God, and took the keys, Lord, and, and has all, all authority over every devil and demonic spirit out there. Oh, the God who went through depression and struggle just like I did in every temptation. Oh, we worship you, oh God. We praise you. Give him a hand wave. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I bring you my life. I bring you my situation. I rejoice in you, oh God, and I rejoice. Hallelujah. You are great and you are holy and you are mighty. Oh, I'm putting those things behind me. I'm running the race. I'm pressing towards the mark. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Again, Happy New Year. And we will see you back here in about nine minutes at 1120.